Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lapse the Lapse Factor Podcast. What is up, College Across fans? You're watching episode number 212 of the Lax Factor podcast. I'm your host, Ted Hoost, and today we are going to recap Division One's semifinal round of the NCAA tournament that took place on Saturday. It is Sunday morning, and uh, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, all that stuff, but I want to waste no time. I want to get right into these games immediately, partly because i got to go watch Doctor Strange here later today, so I don't have a whole lot of time in terms of uh, what I have to work with here. So let's first talk about the first game of the day. We had a terrible weather delay that ended up making the runtime of this game like somewhere in the area of five hours and 15 minutes. They go in at the half. They finally came out hours later and finished the game. But I, I, I digress here. Cornell, they jump out to an 8-3 lead in this one by that half, paced by the big three. Piatelli scored the first, tying things up at one. It was actually a great goal. Piatelli dodged a lot more this year. He's shown a lot more you know, nuance to his game. He's improved in every area of the game, hence him being a pro here at the end of this season. Uh, so he tied things up at ones. CJ Kirst, he beat his older brother, to give Cornell their first lead of the game, and then Michael Long hit Pater, making it 3-1, dodge from kind of the top middle down the left, and he stuck it. So it was 3-1 at that point, and Rutgers kind of never looked back after that. One of the best attack units in the nation, they carried Cornell to the route from here overall. Piatelli, he finished, let's show you here. Piatelli finished with five goals and a helper. Michael Long finished with four goals and a helper. CJ Kirst, three goals and a dish. And they all did it in a manner that was just, you know, five goals off six shots for Piatelli, four goals off five shots for Michael Long, three goals off four shots for CJ Kirst. Now, an X factor in this game, uh, Hugh Kelleher, he ends up with three goals on the day off five shots. He looked incredible. Big boy effectively dodged downhill for Cornell, freed things up. Didn't they didn't slide to him well? They didn't slide to him at all at times, but they didn't slide to him well because he would kind of just run through the double. I think in his first goal that I was rolling here, the help may have came, but he just ran through it as he dodged from top middle down, you know, kind of a wide loop down that alley to score. So Kelleher was big as well. Another key factor in this game here was Chase Erlin and Cage. The kid was seeing the ball early and often, making a bunch of saves early in this game to make sure that Prince or Cornell was able to kind of get a lead and then hold on to it. He makes 15 stops versus the nine goals against, so he played insanely well. And more importantly, nine of his 15 saves came in the second half as Rutgers got a little bit more frantic in trying to mount a comeback. So Erlin was key in this route as well. Gavin Adler, if we come up here and we look at the cause turnovers, Adler forced two cause turnovers, had seven GBs and an assist on the day. He helicoptered a fellow here early in the game. He was all over the field for the most part. 
Uh, in the second and third quarters, especially, he robbed a Rutgers player on a ground ball early in the fourth to uh, to you know to kind of complete his incredible game. Not that the game was in question at that point. Cornell was already the route was already on, but Adler proved he is one of the best defenders in the sport of lacrosse right now. Period. Despite his status as one of the wee folk, uh, you hear people chirp him all the time for being small. It doesn't matter. The dude is a, a fucking pit bull overall on defense. He is aggressive. His feet are incredible. He is not afraid to mix it up and try to take the ball away on top of it. So Adler played great. Angelo. Patrakis in this one was excellent as well. He goes 13 of 21 at the faceoff dot. So he ends up kind of pacing the possessions overall, and he wins the faceoff battle, and Cornell just beat the shit out of Rutgers overall here. Rutgers outshot Cornell overall. If we kind of look at the stat line here, you see Rutgers outshot Cornell overall. Now, a lot of that came over the second, uh, over the course of the second half as things got a little bit more hectic. You can see here, they had, uh, I guess a, it was pretty well split now that I look at it. They only took three more shots in the second half than they did in the first. But either way, that was where Erlen came up big. But Rutgers did outshoot Cornell on the day, but not in terms of what they put on Cage. Cornell was much more efficient putting 30 shots on Cage to Rutgers 26. And that was largely because the Cornell defense was just there all game long. They were pesky. They were on guys' hands. They forced Rutgers. It didn't show in the stat in the stat line overall, because if you look at the turnovers, Rutgers had 15 turnovers, but in terms of cause turnovers, only six of them were actually technically forced by Cornell players, but credit to the Cornell defense because they were in the right place all the time. It forced Rutgers into a lot of what you would call kind of unforced turnovers, but the reality is they're forced just not by a specific player that can get credit for that cause turnover. So the defense of Cornell played excellent, and they're going to have to continue to do that. They'll have to do that against Maryland uh, on Monday in order to have any shot at winning this game. They're gonna And they're going to have to play better than they did. They played a very good defensive game backed by a goalkeeper that was seeing the ball well. They're going to have to equal that and maybe even go above and beyond. I dare say Erlen's going to have to put up 19 to 20 saves if Cornell's going to have a shot at actually pulling the upset and winning this game. Um, and then like I just talked about the turnovers, and, and that's kind of it. I mean, there's not a whole lot to talk about. You see the, the big three here went nuts. Kelleher came up huge, and then you know you just got guys chipping in here. Billy Coyle with a goal, Ryan Sheehan with a goal, Adler with that helper on a break. So overall, Cornell played a just about perfect game, and one of the fears was, hey, they have an 8-3 lead at the half. What's going to happen, though, as they come out of this huge break? We saw in the girls' game a really long rain delay, and a team ended up coming back and winning that game from deep behind. What was it, the UNC game? So that was kind of the fear here, was that despite this 8-3 lead, they were going to come out and maybe play a little cold in the second half, allowing Rutgers to kind of restart. And it looked that way. Rutgers did come out, and they scored the first goal of the second half. It was Ryan Gallagher stuck it, but in the end, it didn't matter because then you see Cornell goes on a one, two, three, four, five, six goal run. Piatelli coming up with a hat trick in the middle of that six goal run, and that was all she wrote, folks. And uh, that's really it. I'm not going to talk much more about this game because it was, uh, you know, Cornell kicked Rutgers Dixon for the most part here. Now, the big game, this one is the one I actually bet took the money line uh, on Princeton on this one because why bet on Maryland if you're not going to win any money even if you won so I was really hoping that Princeton was going to be able to pull this out and you know they made it interesting for just the fifth game this season Maryland made enough mistakes that the final score was within five goals and the Terps looked human enough that there are actually people on Twitter saying hey 
Cornell may actually have a sliver of hope on Monday of pulling out this improbable victory. Now, it's improbable is the key word. Maryland is so good that even on a day like this day here where they played, they played, I'd say, not their best game, you know, and they they equaled the same margin of victory that they beat Princeton by earlier in the season without Peters absolutely standing on his head like he did earlier in the season. So let's kind of take a look at how this all played out. First, after Princeton tied things up at ones, Maryland went on a 6-1 to one run and took a 7-2 lead. Keegan Kahn, he scored the first two goals of that run. And then Bubba Fairman, he gets a takeaway on the defensive end of the field, books his ass upfield, and sticks one to give Maryland a 5-1 to one lead at that point. So Bubba Fairman, man, great game for the kid overall. Let's see what Bubba has did in this game here. I wanted to look at those stats here. Uh, Fairman, if we get to the points here, Fairman had a goal, four takeaways, and four ground balls on this day. So a hell of a job by Bubba Fairman overall here. And then Princeton, they would stop the quick ass whooping thanks to a Christian Ronda goal he got on the board, but then the Terps would answer. This time, Logan Wisnowskis, the front runner for the Tewartan, he would stick one past Peters off a Kyle Long feed, and the Cornell transfer Donville would score from Kahn to extend the Terps' lead to five goals at 7-2. to two. But once again... Princeton, they'd respond. They'd put back-to-back goals together, Mackesy and Chris Brown, and the Terps' lead was once again cut to three. However, Logan Wisnowskis, he sticks three more goals going forward to the end of this game. Owen Murphy, he would put up two of his own, and the Terps would then extend their lead to 11-4 and then a 13-8 victory by the end of the game. Now, one thing, yes, this wasn't a blowout or what you would call a blowout, but I never once got the feeling that Princeton actually had a shot once the score was 7-2. to two. There was a couple of times where they got back to within three that first time, or the second time, where I was like, okay, hey, you know, this is back within reach, but you just know that between Weirman and company and the defense and McNaney was playing well already at that point, that there just wasn't much of a, a chance that Princeton was going to come back. It wasn't scary. Uh, you know, in terms, uh, in terms of how I felt the game was going for the Terps. Now, Luke Weirman, when things were going well for Princeton, it was because they were getting the better of Weirman. The Tigers won four of seven draws over the first quarter and three of five in the fourth. Now, in fairness, in that first quarter, Maryland did jump out to their 5-1 lead despite losing just over half of the draws in that quarter. But think about what the score would have been if Sandoval didn't play tough and didn't combat Weirman effectively at the dot. Weirman ended up finishing the game with 13 of uh, 13 of 22 at the dot with nine ground balls and a helper. Not his best stat line of the season in terms of winning draws, but not too shabby, man. 13 of 22, you'll take that, especially with the nine ground balls and the assist on the day. Logan McNaney, he had himself an insane game. Offensively, as this game wore on, Princeton got more and more comfortable and started getting off a lot of shots. If we kind of come in here and we look at the team stats... We can see over the course of this quarter here, shots on goal. You see six shots on cage here. That wasn't as good as their first quarter, but then they finished the game off with 16 shots on net. And McNaney, he played huge here. Princeton actually outshot the Terps 47 to 45 overall, and they put 29 of them on cage. Maryland only put 26 on net. So Princeton, everyone had talked about how teams just don't get shots off against Maryland. Princeton kind of put a clinic in terms of getting shots off. The problem was... You know, McNaney was there to stop him. McNaney stopped 19 of the 26 shots he faced on the game. That's his highest save total of the year and his fourth highest save percentage of the year. Now, for Cornell to have a shot, 
McNaney needs to be off his game. If Cornell's going to have any chance of beating them on Memorial Day, McNaney can't put up even 15 saves or Maryland will win this game by at least a mild margin. And uh, the problem with that, though, is he's only been below 50% between the pipes four times all season long. The first time, a 21-13 win over High Point in their season opener. The second time was a five-goal win over Princeton. The third time was a 23-12 win over UVA. So even though he struggled, they still kicked the shit out of UVA. The final one was a 19-12 win over Ohio State. So even when McNaney isn't seeing the ball well, he's never all that bad also. He's, he's never been below 40% all season. He was 40% or better all season long. But So even when he's not great, he's not that bad, and the rest of his team ends up holding up for him. Now the bad news for Cornell, he hasn't been below 60% in their last six games, and over that six-game stretch, he's been above 70% in terms of save percentage three times. So McNaney is playing really well down the stretch between the Big Ten tournament and now the NCAA tournament, and that is bad news for Cornell overall. The teams that have played Maryland tough have played fast and physical defense. Quick slides with a clear two and three slide presenting, that's been key against the Terps. You can't go hot on Maryland without making sure that your second slide is there and that your third slide is on the way. Even if shit gets chaotic as things did versus Syracuse and Notre Dame, a chaotic third slide or just any type of chaotic slide package is better than nothing overall against Maryland in the Syracuse game. Syracuse's defense held up very well, but it was ugly. The The, the slides kind of got there. It was a very chaotic, herky-jerky mess, and they were physical. That kind of took Maryland off their game a little bit. It just screwed up the timing. Notre Dame played a little bit more solid defensively. They, were, they only lost by two goals. Defensively, once again, they were physical. Their slides got there, and it forced Maryland just kind of into, into mistakes overall. They like sharing the ball, and if you're getting your slide package, in, if you have your slide package in place and you're getting the one slide, you're getting the hot slide, you're getting the two slide backing up the guy who goes first, and then you even have the third slide starting to kind of shift and make their way, you're going to do a lot better against the Terps than if you don't. Now, uh, no one benefits more from a missed second slide than Jonathan Donville, but because Princeton got the backup in place more often than not, Donville only had a single goal off five shots. So that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's one thing to go hot and get that first slide there to try to stop the ball carrier. With Maryland, that is never good enough. And in most D1 teams, that's never good enough. Even at the high school level, that's usually you know, that's not good enough all the time. You get that two slide there, that's going to prevent a guy from like Donville from feasting on you. But then you have to make sure because you got guys like Wisnowskis who will pop the ball over the top. That's where that three slide comes into play, making sure that you're not giving that second look, not the first look off the dodge, but the second look off the dodge. You got to make sure that you get there. The Terps overall committed 19 turnovers on Saturday, 9 in the first half, 10 in the second. That helped Princeton make sure they didn't get their dicks kicked in, as we keep saying here. But that was that was credit to the defense for Princeton. They played as good as you possibly can. They played physical. They were under control overall. Now, the downside against playing physical for the Terps, even though Princeton played physical without playing dirty, was that the uh, it's bound to come with some penalties. Princeton ends up with three penalties on the game. Maryland goes three for three on their man-up opportunities. While Maryland also played physical, committing four penalties, Princeton only goes one of four on those man-ups. Now, random notes. Bubba Fairman, like I said, spectacular in this game. Four caused turnovers. Four ground balls and a goal. Ajax Zapatello, 
If we come in here and we look at Maryland's stats right here, Ajax Zapatello, he had a great game. Four cost turnovers, two GBs in the game. And then if we just rip through the, the scoring for Maryland, Keegan Kahn, 3-2. and two. Wisnowskis, 4-0. and oh. Donville, 1-2. and two. A little bit quiet, but he still put some points up. Kyle Long, 1-1. One and one. Murphy had a couple of lasers, 2-0. and oh. Fairman with that goal. I love that. Anthony DeMeo, super quiet on the day. He didn't get to score any angry goals on the day, but it doesn't matter. Maryland still wins this game. You see Weirman here, 13-22 with the helper, 9 GBs. And then if we look at what Princeton did, just everyone was bottled up. Vardaro, two goals. Slusher, only a goal. Chris Brown, only a goal. Ronda, Sam English. I mean, the Maryland defense just did a job on the Princeton offense, thanks largely to uh, McNaney in cage here. So overall, the next game that we have up here, we have Maryland and Cornell. And like I said, Maryland is probably going to be able to limit these big three here. Maryland defensively as deep as anyone the kicker being, and this is where I think Cornell may have an advantage, any one of these three, Piatelli, Kirst, or Long, they can all sting you badly. So the, the hope here is that one of these three can end up having themselves a big game. You saw against Princeton that didn't happen. So one of these three attack, can one of the three attacks sting you? Because the problem is going to be in terms of defensive midfield. Maryland plays four defensive midfielders, uh, depending on what Roman Puglisi's injury looks like, because he did get injured, and I didn't notice if he had come back in this game. So we'll see. That'll, that'll play a little bit. But either way, still, Maryland still has three short stick defenders that are all good. And then defensively, they're as deep as anyone as well. So that's going to be the key. What can these guys do here? Uh, this These top three attack for Cornell do. Can one of them get a matchup against the third pole for Maryland? In terms of the goalie battle, both goalies are going to probably be hot here. We're seeing that McNaney has the edge over Erlen. But if, if McNaney has a down game and Erlen can have a big game, then you have a shot there, but that has to happen. If McNaney plays well, ball game. I, I don't care what happens. If, if McNaney puts up 50% or better between the pipes in this game, Maryland wins this game. And then the big key right here is going to be Petrakis against Luke Weirman. What can, I mean, Petrakis is a 50-50 guy overall, but he's shown that he can get hot at times. So can Petrakis keep things even with Weirman like Sandoval did? It's okay to get beat by three or four draws. That's what happened uh, for, to Princeton. If Petrakis can keep things even or only get slightly beat while not giving up a goal or so to Weirman, then Cornell has a chance there as well. So that's it, guys. I'm not going to ramble any longer here. I, I'm, I'm going to go watch myself some uh, uh, Doctor Strange. Then I'm going to watch the Division Two and the Division Three games that are taking place today here. We look at the D2 games. We got Tampa and Mercy. I think Tampa's going to run away with this one. I think five goals or, or more, but I'm hoping that it is a good game, and I'm, I am rooting for Tampa in this one. And then at the D3 level, we've got the all-New York game going on here. All-New York title game, R. RIT against Union. RIT the definite favorite, but these guys played to, I think it was a 15-14 decision earlier in the season with RIT winning. I kind of previewed that game, I think, earlier in the week or last week or whatever. So that's it. Be sure to come back Tuesday because Tuesday morning we'll put the show out recapping the uh, Monday's finals. We'll go through the all three finals. We'll go through the men's D1, men's D2, and men's D3 finals on Tuesday. So be sure to come back. But I'm getting the hell out of here so I can go watch Doctor Strange. So come back Tuesday morning. I'll put the show up recapping all of the finals from all three divisions. And uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And Hoost is out. 